0: Pushing back chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos with me, Paul Mel McFadden. I hope you guys are all well, checking in. I hope you're uh, keeping an eye on your mate and uh, giving each other a phone call, reaching out to those people around you that you haven't spoken to for a while and uh, sharing the love. I'm here joined by my mate, Mike. How are you going, mate?
1: melon what's up dude greetings from the great state of texas i'm just uh yeah dude hanging out back um it's a it's a chilly day down here it's like 40 49 fahrenheit um in australia that's uh cold and uh um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah man just hanging out it is a sunny day there's not a cloud in the sky so i'm just laying back here with my leg propped up and Enjoying the sun. It feels good to be out and about instead of being kind of restrained to my place while I'm healing. But everything's going pretty well
0: with that. And uh... can you give us a can you give us a little update just for those who haven't been in for a little while? Mike uh, recently had uh, knee reconstruction surgery after significant knee injury incurred during uh, heavy SF uh, re- reinforcement training, like while doing some. Airborne insertions, a heavy landing, blew a knee. He carried on for another two months and then had to go for knee surgery when he found it actually had destroyed his knee two months prior. And we're now, where are we now? A couple of weeks post-op and you're in the rehab phase. Could you give us a little update maybe?
1: Yeah, just a lot of physical therapy. um, But everything's going pretty well. It's healing. I think the worst part is the atrophy uh, part of it, you know, with the, the quad and strengthening the quad and getting it to fire. Like I never truly understood how much coordination it goes from the brain to the body and like not having like right. any doubt when you're trying to make movement or do anything. So I got to keep my knee brace or my leg brace on to keep my leg straight most of the time. But when I'm sitting, you just bend it and try to keep movement like movement is good. Movement is medicine. And um, mm-hmm. you don't want to stay propped up. You don't want to sit here around but uh, physical therapy is good you know they're going moving it around um, and my goal is by the end of next week uh, which is when this episode is going to be coming out actually uh, I should be getting off crutches and starting to learn how to walk by myself again um, and that's about a month out roughly for four weeks so uh, I feel pretty good about it I've been hitting it hard and but being responsible I'm not you know like we talked about you got to It's not a muscle; it's a tendon, so you got to be a little different. But um, I'm I'm hopeful for that. So I have a goal in mind. It's important to have small goals. And uh, no, it's going well. But I had to get out, and you know, I came down here to Texas last night. was pretty cool. I'm not I'm not a big baseball fan, but the Texas Rangers won the World Series last night. Um, They they won it uh, four to one in the series, and they were the first team in history to win all. 16 away games in the postseason and to win it right so uh that was that was pretty cool uh to see and everybody was excited down here so anytime it's a good environment people are winning it's great as long as you're not the cleveland browns the cincinnati Bengals, or the baltimore ravens no one gives a shit you know about any of those three teams (laughs) but uh
0: but anybody Uh, else is fine what are the what are the texan baseball fans like they're just wild Texans, man do they get into it? Are they are they a rowdy crowd? Yeah, I mean
1: anything in Texas is big, right? So <laughs> uh being a being a guy from Pennsylvania, like yeah, we we like we like football, hockey, and baseball. Same with uh same with uh Texas, particularly Dallas. And uh it's it, it's a rowdy bunch, man, but you know, they're they're kind of the same way. They expect greatness, they expect you know the Super Bowl every year, World Series every year, the Stanley Cup every year. Like it's a very competitive, very proud place, and it's it is fun to be around. It's a good energy. So that that was uh that was a good time.
0: Oh, that's great, man. Over here, um, you know, I've carried on with my sort of fly in, fly out work where I go uh, away and stay up at a base, work remotely, living out at the mountables uh, during the week, and then come back. In the last week. Uh, you would have heard me talking about how Cherry was going back to Australia to see her dad, yeah, uh, who has, has sort of had a bit of a significant decline in his health, um, you know, in an aged care facility. She flew in. Her sister also flew in from New Orleans, Louisiana, where she's uh, she married a U.S. Navy uh, guy back in the day. Shout out to Derek and Laura. So Laura flew in from there and Cherry flew in from here and they – you know, spent time with their dad, and spent time with each other, and fam- a lot of really great family time. Very stressful period, you know. I can't, can't, can't lie about how how it is. It's a difficult time facing the yeah. end of a, of, a, of a family member, and that, that's getting close. Um, I had a, I oh, just family time though. Like I was away for a couple of nights and then back, and I it was just me and the kids four days, and I just had such a great family time, Mike. You know. Hanging out with the kids and listening to music and eating meals together and going to the gym with Michael and taking them out to to have dinner with our mate Simon, who's been on the a, on a podcast before. Dropping Michael off to see so a film with his couple of his mates, getting eyeballs on these boys and shake their hand and see what sort of eye contact you get out of and all that so sort of It was good. <laughs> That's good, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, um, it was but well, just good family out. time. yeah. Well, shout out to Cheza and, and, and her family and, and her dad and everything. Uh, we, we've been praying for you and, you know, just, just everything. It's a, I saw the picture of her and her sister with their dad, and it was just very emotional man. But, you know, if, if anything, times like that, just remind us all to don't take time for granted. Like, yes. we're not going to be here forever and just soak up every moment. I listened to this country song the other day. It's called Till You Can't. And it basically talks about all these things. It's like, keep doing it until you can't. And, it, and it's mm-hmm. a beautiful song. Reminds me of a lot of things in my life. And I'm sure everybody can relate to it. But, you know, I listened to that uh, when I saw the picture Cheza sent to me with her and her sister and that. And that song came on. And I was like, yeah, man, until you can't. It's, it's what we should be doing. Don't take anything for granted. and You just never know when it's time that we're going to lose someone mm-hmm. or miss a situation or an opportunity. So...
0: It's very yeah. true, and I like honestly. It it's also prompted just some practical thought about between us, just about our own end times, and I know that there'll be a lot of military first responders here who who for this for us, these kinds of things have been a simple consideration pretty much since you sign up. Nearly all of us, I know, I had to at seventeen fill in a will as part of joining the Australian Army, and that's always been a normal thing for me, just to make sure that those parts of your estate planning and just that end of life you can be responsible around this stuff and you know it's prompted some good conversations for us around making sure that we're going to have a document in place so that our kids are not left trying to guess and figure out what are our wishes it's already it'll already be hard enough for them you know that we had a, a good conversation with Simon last night he was over and talked about the same thing about just having everything clearly listed out and you know budgeted for and all that kind of stuff that you can try and minimize the burden on your loved ones when you go. And I know that, you know, us and our audience and like our people out there, that you know, we live our life focused on helping those people around us and sorting out our community and setting it up. And there's some, perhaps there can be some shared conversations that grow out of this. But that We can just make sure that those those things are taken care of. And I do encourage people to consider that.
1: No, absolutely. But I guess that, it, well, just real quick, I mean, I mean, Something that you said, and, and I think it pops in all of our head when you're talking about leaving behind like a will. You know, I was 19 years old when I joined, and I'm filling out my will in case I die. You know, and it's it's just a, it's a wake up call. But yeah, there's a sense when you're young is just feeling like, well, I don't need to fill that out. Like I'm not going to die. Like everything's fine, and you know I'm not going to die until I'm an old man, like laying in my bed and I'm a 90 and I've lived the full life and did all this stuff. Well. You know, there's things that remind you about that every single day that we should pay attention to and have respect for. Um, Down here in Texas, there was a uh, Army veteran who uh, our our good friend, uh, he's like like another brother to me, uh, Patrick Sowers in Operation Once in a Lifetime. They helped out and sent this uh, Army veteran. She's a female and her daughter to the Taylor Swift concert down here. That was like their thing. Like they absolutely love Taylor Swift. I'm not a Swifty. I'll, 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 I'll come out and say it. I'm <laughs> not on, a Swifty. Come on, mate. You can share I don't with sing. me. There's no one else
0: here. No one will
1: hear this. <laughs> I don't sing in the shower, and I hate the whole Travis Kelsey, Kansas City Chiefs thing. Every time there's football, there's Taylor Swift on now, so it's ruining it. But re- regardless, the point is they got to go have this once-in-a-lifetime experience, and it really was a once-in-a-lifetime because a week later, uh, her mother was crossing the street and was hit by a car and was killed instantly mm. and now this uh this little girl uh Layla her name is she she doesn't have any parents I guess her father wasn't really in in the picture and now her mother's gone and you know <laughs> how how impactful man because I mean you and I both know what it's like to lose our parents at a young age and you know what that it's terrible man that that future for hers is just going to be instantly so much harder. um, But also in the long run, which I'm going to, I want to meet her down here soon while I'm here and sit down and talk to her about life and maybe some things to think about, about her future. And as she moves forward, like the, the things that are good that can come from it. Uh, Not initially, obviously when you lose somebody, you're in pain and you're grieving, which is essential, but, later on in life you kind of see the bigger picture of like man now i get it now i can see why you know i am the way i am and what i took from that and the blessing that it kind of taught me and the lessons that it taught me so um you know she was a veteran you know she had a will signed out that was already there from the army um and and it set it up and i think this is partially a good thing to discuss with our topic today is you know so uh, November 11th is upon us and in the United States, it's our veterans day and Australia it's remembrance day. And Melon and I are both going to, uh, uh, talk about that for a little bit, but also, you know, it's always important to discuss the importance of veterans and their role in society and why we should honor and respect them for the things that they do and that they gave up, um, no matter what conflict, no matter what country, um, it's it's a calling of something bigger than yourself, and it's it's to be honored and respected.
0: One hundred percent. There's been, I mean, Remembrance Day, eleven eleven, when the guns fell silent on the Western Front in World War One, has been memorialized, and you know solemn procedures take place all around the the Western world to recognize what occurred. And I know that that is a day that is important to certain members and veterans and families. And it's appropriate that we take the time to discuss it. It's a, it's a key, um, or a core value that's close to the heart of us and the the people who uh, are in our community.
1: Yeah. Well, um, Veterans Day came from World War One as well, and it was honoring veterans and, and bringing people together. And a big common one of the Veterans Day is um the uh, the yellow ribbon. So people will hang up yellow ribbons for veterans and stuff here in the U.S. And in Australia, I believe it's the poppy flower, correct?
0: That's correct, yeah. All around the British Commonwealth, it's uh, a red poppy that we tend to wear, which is what grew on the fields in Flanders in Belgium.
1: Yep. Flanders Field, yep exactly um, yeah the uh it, it's a it's an emotional day for a lot of people man because you know I'm, I'm still active duty so I don't know what it means to be a veteran yet because I'm still in it but you know something personally I, I've been off for over a past month you know just surgery and recovering and it And honestly, you know, I've been sitting here trying to think about, like, what am I supposed to be learning from this, you know? And one of the things that I've I've realized in the last week or so is this is a preview of being a veteran because Mm. I'm not off the train completely. But it's like, hey, we're going to drop you off at the train station and we'll be back to pick you up, you know, in a little while. And then you're sitting at the train station and it's quiet. There's no action. There's no – you're not moving 100 miles an hour. You're not – contributing, you know, you're just kind of floating, man. And, and honestly, I took it as like, wow, this is a, this is a heads up. This is a lesson about what it means to be a veteran. And I've been finding myself having discussions about, you know, who am I going to be when this is over? You know, when you leave mm. active duty, when you leave active duty service and you're just, you're just Mike, you're just who whoever, like you're just a person, you're not your title anymore. You're not the rank that you achieved you're, you know, all these different things, you're not wearing your medals out or your uniform all the time. And people recognizing you wanting to come up and do all these things. And it's been really good for me. I'm, I'm not going to lie because I've definitely taken a small shift on what I should be focusing on, what I should be more appreciative of, uh, and ultimately grateful for, for like everything that I've been a part of. And instead of focusing on my past and what what was and what should be or, like, anything like that, it's, it's really living in the present and understanding that, like, this is just an opportunity to be a part of something bigger than myself, but it's not going to last forever. Um, and, like, we mm-hmm. talk about, this is going to come to an end, and one day I'm just going to be Mike and I'm going to be – Hey, yeah, man, I served and I was a veteran, you know, and, and all that great times and great stories I'll have for the rest of my life. Nobody will ever take that away from me, but my purpose is going to change. And for for veterans, you know, the reason we honor veterans on Veterans Day is because of what they gave up, what they sacrificed, what they committed to. They raised their right hand saying, I will give my life for yours in the event that I need mm-hmm. to, to preserve our freedom, our society, our way of life, my family, the loved ones, everything. And that in and of itself is to be honored. Selfish, selfish or selfless people, sorry, selfless people giving up their time, their most valuable currency for other people that they don't even know. That is to be honored in a society because if we don't, we're going to not have any appreciation for anything that we have or a view of ourselves or, um, (laughs) maintain the fire, you know, the torch Mm -hmm. that gets passed from generation to generation on a belief, on a vision, on a feeling, uh, that that's very special. Call it patriotism. If you want, uh, it's, I I just call it a feeling. You just feel it or you don't. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a day that, uh, you know, it, it's meant for these people. and and personally, I I don't think it should just be a day. I think it should be a year-round thing like whatever you have and what you've been doing, you should always give thanks to those who put their lives on the line. Uh, but mm. it is definitely a day where it brings back a lot of emotion, a lot of memories, um, some good, some funny, some really bad, some really painful. Um, and people make their way to, uh, rallies, parades, um, cemeteries, share stories about loved ones, um, all of it, man. And it's a very heavy day. Uh, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's just so important, Melon. like. We, we, we mm. should all understand why we have that. And, and to me, in today's society, there's not a lot of people that, that really do. Um, the veterans know, their families know, whatever, but there's so many other people that really don't get it. And that hurts.
0: <laughs>
1: you want to force it, well, but then you don't.
0: <laughs> well, it's like, you know, this is our role. This is the role of people like you and I and a lot of our, our uh, community just to make sure that people understand where these days come from. Uh, November 11, initially, was called Armistice Day. So it's the 11th of November. Just a quick little uh, background here. So 11 November, it all started in 1918. It was the end of uh, World War I. The commander-in-chief of Allied Forces, Ferdinand Foch, Frenchman, sent a uh, telegraph around saying hostilities will cease on the entire front November 11, 11 a.m. French time. And journalists at the time wrote about the officers having their watches in their hands and the troops waited with the same grave composure with which they'd fought. As the watch hands reached 11, there came a sound of expectant silence and then a curious rippling sound which observers far behind the front likened to the noise of a light wind. It was the sound of the men cheering from the mountains to the sea. So that's where it all started. You can just picture these men in trenches having endured what was at that stage the most horrific uh, combat losses the world had ever seen. And it'd be pretty crazy to be told at breakfast time that everything's ending today. But the fighting, it hasn't stopped already. It's going to stop at 11, 11 a.m. And so people waiting. A conflict that had caused the the loss of over seven, between nine and 13 million dead a third of those with no grave mm. and that 70 million people have been mobilized into it. So the allied countries, who are they? Who are the people who celebrate this stuff? So it's it's the Western allies. It's, the, it's a free association of independent states shared, united by shared values of democracy, human rights, and the rule of law, and we've stood together. So you've got the, the US, the UK, New Zealand, Canada, Australia, France, it became such a big day. After that, uh, it was the first first year. So, 1919 was the first day. It was called Armistice Day, and they had a service, and it was really to. It was not a celebration. It was a memorial for the fallen in 1919, and the War Cabinet. In Britain, was petitioned by it was actually a journalist, a, a, a guy to South Africa. He wrote a letter saying that there should be a a, a, a time to to memorialise what had happened. And he had he had four points. He said it was due to the women who have lost and suffered and borne so much, with whom the thought is ever present. It's to the children that they know to whom they owe their dear fought freedom. It is due to the men and from them as men. But far and away above all else, it is due to those who gave their all, sought no recompense, and with whom we can never repay our glorious and immortal dead. So then in the UK, King George V requested that the people around the British Empire suspend activities for two minutes, and they had that first Armistice Day in honour of the armistice which stayed the worldwide carnage of the four preceding years and marked the victory of right and freedom. And so... They then had two-minute silence at the Mayo memorial in London, at the Cenotaph, it's called. And then 1920, we started the tradition of the unknown soldier. So in, in 1920, there was a soldier from the Western Front who was returned from France to the UK, and he was buried in Westminster Abbey with full military honours and another one at the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. In In London, they had over a million people. Who came uh through for a week and paying respect. So that was 1920 in the UK and France. 1921, the US, an unknown soldier was repatriated from cemetery in France and taken to the US Capitol Rotunda. And he was laid in state and was then interred in the Memorial Amphitheater, famous at the Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia, where in twenty twenty one I was Very privileged to be taken uh, by Mike uh, to witness that. In 1958, unknown soldiers from World War II and the Korean War were interred alongside their World War I comrade. In uh, Australia, there was uh, a long process which started in uh, the 1920s, but in 1993, actually, I brought the man home, 75th anniversary. was taken and uh, laid up in the Hall of Memory of the Australian National War Memorial in Canberra on the 11th of November, 93. And the same have taken place in Canada and New Zealand. And all of the tombs have the same inscription, known unto God. And so these individual soldiers represent all of the form and not just in those uh, World War I conflicts. It's, it's all of the forms in all of these conflicts since the 20th, Century began, and it it should mean something. We should be talking about it. We should be teaching our children. We should be thinking about the reasons that these um, servicemen put their hand up and stepped into such a perilous role to provide security for a very very special community experiment to be undertaken which is this democracy that we enjoy yeah and we've stood we've, we've stood shoulder, shoulder from then until now i use we stand for that you described earlier mike is the open society with universal voting rule of law separation of powers human rights civil rights civil liberties and political freedom and supporting these values and defending these values through the 20th century has seen we are living in the result of that effort this modern uh society the uh the expansion that we've had liberal democracy has become the predominant political system in the world it has everyone wants to get on board with these Western way of life. It's very the, the cost to deliver this since the start of World War One, the figure is more than 31 million service personnel. 31 million service personnel. So it's it's easy to sort of not be able to hold on to those figures or to be able to loss. And it's the 11th, the 11th. And the West has... Turned the tide against fascism and communism, and it has been a measurable sacrifice that's brought in this current p- period where we have freedom and safety. And and we should, think if either of those regimes had dominated, like if Nazism had had won, if Imperial Japan had won, or if communism had had won, and we lived, what would the world be like? So, Remembrance Day is a big deal, and. You know, we all have slightly different accents, and there's, you know, slightly different uh, rules, but the values are the same in these Western allied countries. And there's a reason why we keep standing together despite the years that pass. Mike.
1: Yeah, really well said, Melon, and, and lots of great information there. Um, <laughs> and believe me, the, the, we have different accents. Yes. You could be an Aussie C next Tuesday or a, uh, or, <laughs> or, or a goofy Yinzer from, from Pittsburgh. You
0: know what I mean? A yinzer. Uh, yeah, a yeah, yinzer. yeah. 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 We love it. But we love the Yinzers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I'll tell you being around being, being able to have the opportunity to travel around the world and, and work with different militaries and different stuff and having discussions with, with Raf and Mellon and our, our buddy Simon and, you know, so many other people, my, my, my friend in Lithuania uh, that I still talk to uh, 12 years later. Um, the discussions we have are the same. The beliefs that mm-hmm. we have are the same. The drive is the same. Uh, selfless service is the same. Uh, it's, it's a warrior's heart. It's, it's a servant's heart. Uh, and it's very special when you come across from it. You'll find it all over the world. It's not to one area, to one country, to one belief. Um, it, it's a human aspect that's, that's bigger. And I think on Veterans Day, you know, and, and, and it's important to understand where and when, and you hear all these big things that come that, that, that Mellon really well explained, but it needs to be, I believe, personalized a little bit more. And out of, mm-hmm. I, out of World War One, out of World War One, there was a, uh, a, a quote uh, from a from a journal from a private Martin Treptow, who was mm-hmm. a runner on the Western Front, and he wrote in his uh, he wrote it in his notebook, which was his Bible as well, and he wrote this, um, and I think it's one of the. You can Google it, you can look it up, but I think it's one of the most. Um, <laughs> special things a person can write while he was in a trench in the middle of World War I as a runner. And and I'll read it. He said, America shall win this war. Therefore, I will work. I will save. I will sacrifice. I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the whole issue of the struggle depended on me alone. That written in a moment in an environment like that is something that (laughs) leaves me in awe man because you know i try to think of myself where i've i've been in the world in some really shit places surrounded by evil and to be able to look at the holistic portion of that and knowing that i'm part of something big and I'm dedicating my whole soul, myself, everything I have to that. And where he says, I'll deal with it as if the whole issue depended on me alone. I think in anything you do, whether it's sport, whether it's family or anything, if you have that type of mindset, mm-hmm. it's special. But when it comes to serving in the military where it's like you're, you may be required to give your life and you're sitting there saying, yeah, hey. I'll do it because people are depending on me. That's that's a task that some people just don't even want to even think about let alone go and do. And that takes a special type of person to to be able to say yeah, I I understand it and I'll do it. Um hearing those type of personal stories, man, that's what to me anyway and I think it's different for every veteran or people who, who are reflecting on this day, this is just for me. I remember personal stories. I remember deployments, workups, fun, funny stories, hard times, uh, going to funerals, you know, and standing there and, and watching the American flag folded way too many times. Um, looking at the big picture of history and what I was part of, what you were part of, and being mm. being able to hopefully one day sit down with my grandson on my my good my good knee, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and sit there and and explain to him why I gave 20 years of my life for something, and share stories of my friends and teammates and everybody I've come across during my career throughout the world, um, including Uncle Mellon. Um, that is something that not everybody gets to do, you know, and I'm not taking away anything, but when you can sit down and speak with veterans and speak with warriors, people who have been to the edge and back and seen outside of the the circle and the security bubble that provide the security, those people speak different and there are lessons and emotions that you will never get from anybody else uh, along your, your path. Not on talk shows, not in the movies. Mm-hmm. It could be simulated, whatever. But please believe me, when you sit and talk with veterans, things are
0: different. It's so funny, Mike. Just last night we had farewell uh, drinks for one of the Yosie guys. He is moving on after a couple of years. I've review with him and he's, a, he's an ex royal australian navy pilot a veteran and uh you know we're having farewell drinks and, and pretty much the whole room was just full of former military pilots and uh our mate simon was there and just at the end of the night i just had exactly that experience you just said then of people being in that space and like simon didn't know some of the guys Before last night, but it was like immediate. Knew a few people, a couple of different operational deployments. And I was just, you could just see this little network building out of I know we've got these mutual contacts or or we're in the same place, maybe on different dates. And then at the end of the night, it was exactly what you just described. It was people just sitting in a space of, you just knew that there was a shared experience and a shared understanding. There's a whole lot of things you didn't need to talk about that. No offense to people, who haven't served, but there's a lot of questions they have that you, you, the veterans don't have. You don't ask those questions, and then so there's a whole bunch of stuff you don't have to talk about, and then there's all these other stuff that you can talk about because I understand. And I just had exactly that experience. I was I was like 24 hours ago, Mike, of sitting with guys who some of them had never met until that night, a couple of drinks, and I just it and really share, you know. I just watch it and think. I know that some of these guys have a lot of difficulty partners and family and non-military mates. And what you just described—that that ability to connect—and uh, you've got like-minded people. It's a very special connection that you have with other people who've done that.
1: Yeah, there's um exactly what you said there was a uh a few moments that i've had so i'm getting old right Um, (laughs) i'll be uh i'll be 36 here at the end of the month and uh you know i'm looking at my whole life holistically i know i'm young i'm just kidding right melon's old not me but uh you know every time i try to go home uh for the holidays for thanksgiving and christmas I make it a point to go to the veterans hospital to the VA and there's some older veterans, mostly Korea that are hanging around and Vietnam and everything. And they're laying in these hospital mm. beds, uh, family's gone. None of them visit them anymore. And, uh, if you ever want to just be humbled and go in and listen to some stories, man, uh, go to the veterans hospital and pay them a visit and just say, Hey, I just wanted to say hello. I want to let you know that you're not forgotten. I want to hear your story, even for like 15, 20 minutes. I'll go to every room. I'll, I'll go to the nurse's station and I say, hey, who could I visit? Who's I'm here? I take coffee and some uh, some snacks for the nurse's staff. Um, because the one I go to, I know for a fact they do really well, which is important. Not all the VAs are like that. But uh, mm. I drop them off and I say, hey, thanks for thanks for looking out for these men and women like they deserve the best. And and I want to make I that too. point known. And then I'll ask them, Hey, who's in what room, and, you know, who's whatever. And then I'll bounce around the rooms for 15 to 20 minutes and just be like, Hey, I'm, I'm just popping in. I just want to say hello. Uh, what's your story? Where, where'd you serve? What, what branch, you know, and this, that, and you get to really know them. And I'll tell you, man, that relationship, that personal relationship is something that I would never trade because I walk out of every one of those rooms and I feel like I, I already knew the person like they get excited to share their story, to tell you about their best friend that they served with, uh, uh, where they were funny stories come back and then it just flows. It just comes out and flows. That's the best way I can do it. And I've walked out of those rooms, um, smiling. I've walked out of those rooms crying, uh, I mean, there's guys from Korea and Vietnam that I'd never even met before that. And I walk out and I'm like, I know that person. I know, I know who they are. And, and it feels like I had known them for 30 years. Um, but that's the bond that Melon's talking about. That's, that that's what makes us a unique group. And uh, we've all, we've all shared so many things in common, whether it was giving up our time, being deployed, worrying about one another, losing friends, losing family members, uh, seeing the flag folded over, uh, our friends, uh, coffins and burying them. Uh, so many different experiences go through your head. Uh, and then when you can sit and, and, and talk and learn, uh, I believe that is still that fire that gets, that gets passed on, uh, no matter where you are, Australia, United States, you know, it doesn't matter. And to share those stories with the next generation and help them understand why it was important, uh, the hardships that those people endured well after serving uh, in civilian life, or some of them get out and, and they they go on to do great things. Some people get out and lose their complete identity and purpose and they struggle so much. Um, and I personally have seen that for working with with Pat and Operational Once a Lifetime for 12 years now and hearing veterans call in. Or, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what my purpose is. You know, I, w- I wish I would have stayed in. I wish I would have made a career out of it. Um, you know, no, nobody cares. Uh, they walk around and they just constantly wear all their military stuff because they want to hold on to it so tight that they're, they can't mm. see what's right in front of them. That's the next chapter of their life and, and their new identity and their new purpose. And there's just so many different aspects that are going back and forth all the time that sometimes when you can just sit down and talk to a person and really talk to the person and understand the person um, is what they need. Um, nothing lasts forever. And we talk about this and, and Veterans Day is a point to stop and remember what happens when we're called to service that some people have to make a decision to go and be a part of something bigger than themselves because it's the right thing to do. It's bigger than them. Uh, It's just, and when it's over, then, then who are you? Where do you fit in society? Uh, How, how should you be viewed? How should you be respected? Uh, How should you act? Uh, Should you educate other people on what you went through? Uh, Do you become a leader? And share those lessons learned that you did within your own community. Uh, there, You know, there's so many different options. Where do you start? And those things are relevant today after 20 years of the global war on terrorism. And there's millions of veterans who, who put on the uniform and served all over the world. And now we're, well, I think we may be getting ramped up for another one, which is how history works, human history. history. So I'm not surprised to be honest with you, but uh, it's a period now where we're, we've been kind of in a lull for the last couple of years. And I see a lot of veterans going, where do I fit in society now? What do I do when there's no war? Mm. What do I, what, what do I do when there's no bad guy knocking on the door saying, I'm going to come in and mess you up. and I, And I'm going to stand up and say, no, you're not. Like if you can't do that, then what are you supposed to do? <laughs> um, so many struggle with it, man.
0: Um, I, I mean, we're we something like the the history of. Yeah, we totally could. The history of like how veterans, what what happens when you rotate out of your time in 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 uniform military and then into civilian life. Like there can be a really beautiful transition where you go from being the people on the border or people providing the security for the community to flourish to now it's your turn to participate. It's you, it's your turn to be in the community knowing that the next the torch has been handed on to the next group and now you're there in your community with your family in your workplace and moving forward with your your life in a new way. Like the Romans had a really interesting system with their veterans where they would settle them on the borders. Like They would have, you know, there was pretty much constant warfare at that time. And as the Romans were fighting on the borders and they'd settle an area and the, that would become peaceful, they'd have that legion and they'd reach their uh, time in service ending and they would settle them on the border. They'd give them all lots of land to farm. And they would transition them from being the soldiers to being the citizens, the farmers, the shopkeepers and so on but it kept those areas pretty peaceful because if there was ever any trouble there's all these fully trained men who are ready to pick up the equipment that they've got in a maybe over the fireplace or something and then they, they could quieten those troubles and so these areas they were, they were settled in these areas to quiet them and bring this to the to the areas and there's you know there's no one who hates uh more than people have seen it and you know there's there's like an example you can follow there of you've had your time protecting and providing the peace and then now you can have your time afterwards when you're a veteran where you get to enjoy the 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 fruits of that labor if you can when it's time for someone else to take a watch
1: yeah uh, what's that what's the famous quote and i think you just uh, spoke about its origin from the Roman Roman Empire is uh, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war, mm. uh, and and you really think about that that's 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 really your responsibility. I mean, as a veteran, and whew, the next part you said, Melon, <laughs> when it when when the war is over and your time's over and you hand off that torch, nobody nobody wants to see war less than the people who have witnessed and experienced it um i'll tell you man after almost two decades for me of a career of of going to war or preparing for war um i've never had more of a desire to have peace in my life um Coming to a close and I'm handing off the torch now as as my career comes to an end, my first career, I have more visions about sitting in a park with a wife and children, watching them play and just be present than I have any desire of doing anything related to war. Am I fully capable of it? Yes. Yes. And I think that's what we just spoke for of like, if 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 it comes down to it, you'll make the worst decision in your life to mess with me or my family, because <laughs> wrong person, wrong
0: time, everything adds up. But a man my, with a special a man with a special skill set.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly right. Um, which is what a man should be, and and, and you know, my opinion, and you should be capable. Uh, of extreme yeah, yeah. violence and protecting or offense, whatever. Um, and women
0: too, the mother wolf.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. you want that mother wolf to come out of you? She'll, she'll freaking rip your head off. Um, That's right. But when I've envisioned my future, it is, it is not war. I acknowledge it, but it's more about, man, now I really desire peace. I really desire, to be present and home and have the opportunities to watch my kids grow, to be with my wife, to go on walks together and just hold her, you know, hold hands and talk about stuff about life and normal stuff, man. There's you know, if if I always say like, if you give me the choice now, it's just like, hey, you could have a family and peace and some land and a house and have your own little life tucked away or whatever, or you can go back to war. I would I would take I would take the family and everything hands down. Mm. Um, now Mm -hmm. if it was required to go like, Hey, we have people invading or there's a world war again or whatever, then it's like, okay, in order to protect what I love, I have to go do these because I'm fully capable of doing it. So I'm going to go do it. Um, yeah, but yeah, dude, that hit really deep. Like my, my heart's kind of like pounding right now. Um, I was talking to, I was visiting home in Pennsylvania and I, I picked up my mom and we went out to the park to walk to, well, I was on crutches, so I hobbled, but, uh, we were just <laughs> talking about past things. She, she took me to this park as a kid. So we went out there and we had a picnic together and she saw our, uh, her great grandchildren that picked up when we were walking around and she used to take me there when I was a baby.
0: Oh, and, awesome,
1: uh, yeah, it was great. And we were kind of talking about that. And my great uncle Bobby came up. Because I'm a great uncle now. How about that, dude? And uh, wow. <laughs> I know. And uh, he, the one thing he told my mom when he knew that I wanted to serve was please tell him to never glorify wow. war. And that came from a Korean War veteran, a Marine combat wow. veteran, a POW veteran. Wow. Never glorify war. Wow. And, and now that I've lived it and seen it and seen both ends of it, the honor and all that from one side, and then the pain and loss of of the other, uh, he couldn't be more right. And it's through time and experience and reflection that all veterans need to take a look at, and and that's going to bring you to the most important things in life, which is your 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 family. And being present and, and peace and being able to live a good, honorable, healthy life, not a miserable, mm-hmm. broken down, uh, yeah. drunk, drug addict, uh, warmonger, uh, yeah. pride and ego led type of life. That's not that's not why we joined. Um, we, yeah. we joined up to defeat the monster, not not let it influence us to become monsters ourselves. Uh, but to be mm. good good men and women good people selfless people uh and live a life worth living that others would inspire themselves to to be like um easier said than done 100 percent but that's right Mike but that's I mean that's I, ultimately why we joined right
0: and I, I mean that is a that is a very good segue to you know that we join to protect people from the monster and we don't want to become the monster And that it's a good reminder or a segue perhaps to just a brief, to touch on the topic of PTSD, which is something we've talked about before and that people who go and serve and also the other frontline responders, but we're talking military service in this episode, are people who come home with sometimes invisible wounds and that Mm. these, these can be, um, this can mean that you don't get to return home to peace. And you know, I feel like we're in a time now where we're moving beyond uh the stigma. But I think it still exists certainly in some of the some you know, military that people all want to be tough and strong and want to be the best and all the rest of it. But we should all be working together as a as a group, as a collective, to get past the stigma that mental in- injuries are just as real as physical injuries. And, you know, I've got some data on that as well here. You know that there was research in Australia that 17% of the veterans 2010 to 2015 suffered from PTSD. In Canada, they had a 60% increase in uh, disability payments for mental health, 75% of those PTSD. Studies out of the US on the Iraq and Afghan veterans that 13 and percent suffer from PTSD so we're talking a very very widespread I mean that's a pretty similar number across the board there Mm -hmm. so one of the most frequently cited barriers to veterans getting timely and adequate care for PTSD is that social stigma that is associated with mental illness and that members in, in some of these studies it shows that guys and girls feel ashamed and embarrassed to receive treatment you know that that's perceived as a sign of weakness and You know, I like to think that we're in a a position now where there is effective treatment that is available and we don't have to have people remaining in this uh, endless loop of suffering. So I just want to just have a a quick little shout out here, just saying that connecting in the networks, checking in on your mates and um, steering people towards solutions that have worked. Um, Cognitive behavioural therapy is very effective. I know that you might have had experiences and that you're a very strong advocate for treatment here. But I just feel like we should all probably at this time you reach out into our network to make sure that we check in on our mates and let them know what's worked, if something has worked, and checking in on the guys that we know are having a hard time. So a simple yeah. text message or phone call, you never know how much of a positive effect that can have.
1: Yes. A hundred yeah, call, text have a meeting, have a group thing, like get together, um, hang out, have a fire, tell stories, maintain those yeah. relationships and check on each other. Be willing to be vulnerable uh, as well, yes. um, especially with each other. Who knows better than the person that you were in a foxhole with or that in, in a tank with or on the battlefield with. Like it doesn't matter where you were or what you did. They lived it with you. Uh, you have nothing to hide. Like be open and vulnerable with each other, man. Like that's, that's, that's what this brotherhood sisterhood is, is special for. Uh, Nobody else knows what we went through except for us. Right. And it's good. Um, One thing that Mellon said, and we've talked about it before, and I know he agrees with me. I know he was kind of reading, but I don't like to say PTSD. I like to say PTS post-traumatic stress. Mm. Okay. I don't Mm. like the term disorder. Like I'm messed up. Okay, I love that. The stuff that we experience in combat are things that we didn't necessarily sign up for, right? We have this vision. Yeah, I'll go over and we'll kill bad guys. There's so much gray area in between that stuff that I was never trained to handle or or to live with. Um, being next to a roadside bomb and taking a blast—that's not normal. That is not normal to the human body, jumping out of planes, being underwater, um, being shot at, being, you know, all these different things, the, the extreme worst parts of human life have happened to you. That is not normal. Um, so what do you expect? You're not going to come back regular or normal like you were. Um, but it, to me, I don't like the word disorder, man, because like, yeah, if if, if I excellent. do Yeah, if I do something that's that's not good for the human, uh, the human body or the human mind or whatever, it doesn't mean I have a disorder. It just means I was exposed to extreme stress, and it was just you know like it it doesn't mean that I'm broken or that I'm messed up, you know, or or I'm I'm less of a human for it. It's like, dude, I was just exposed to a lot of shit, and that's okay. You know, there's ways back from it and ways to handle it and deal with it. But I'm not a bad person. I'm not. A, I'm not messed up from it. Where I feel like I need to just identify as. Well, I'm a broken person with a disorder.
0: Um, yeah, that's really good, Mike. It's the same way that a child who's been exposed to traumatic experiences. I like your distinction there. That we don't need to put this term disorder on the end of it. You've just been exposed to traumatic stress, and yeah, and you know now you're you you're trying to find your way forward. I really like that, Mike.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just a personal view for me, man. And cause I've been around, I've, I've talked to veterans, you know, and it's like, Oh, I don't sleep well. Oh, you have PTSD. Um, well, Hey, how's this? Well, I don't like crowds. I have PTSD. Uh, you know, I can't go in the bathroom by myself. Oh, I have PTSD. It's just like this common thing that's thrown out there. That's just like, what does it even mean anymore? What are you really feeling? The, you know, is it the VA just throwing pills at you every day? Or is it your, your group of influence of other veterans who choose to self-medicate that they're just like, Hey, yeah, you're fucked up, man. Hey, here, have some beers, have some drugs. And you know, we'll, we'll continue on, you know, great job. Um, there's so many factors and it's so gray in there, but, uh, I just don't want to look at it as man. I'm, I have a disorder. I'm broken. Um, Mm -hmm. I've just been through a lot of stuff, man. It's just like lifting heavy weights, you're going to go in and you try to squat 500 pounds and your legs are shaking. And it's just like the extreme amount of stress. Your body is not going to be the same. As soon as you drop the weight, you're, you're, you're Mm. going to be shaking your blood pressures up, you know, all these different stuff. Mm. Does that mean you have a disorder? No, you were just exposed to an extreme stressful situation. Um, but it's, you can, you can come back from it. You can recover from some of it, you know, not all of it. I know there's a lot of, you know, neurological damage that can happen and different things. Like I totally understand. Um, but the, there's, there's a large large percentage that shouldn't be there and it's a lot easier to identify. Well, I have PTSD and I'm a broken soldier and feel bad for me. Um, you know, I have seen some stuff you don't understand. And they, they push this narrative and that stigma and it's like, well, let's talk about it. No, I don't want to talk about it. You, you don't get it. You don't understand it, And they just put this, wall up and it's just like dude the wall was never meant to even be there the wall was meant Mm. to be brought down and to bring you back to normal society because war is not normal it is not normal and that becomes normal for a lot of veterans of chaos and high stress situations like that's home to them that's home, to, that's home to me sometimes. I'll tell you yeah. the truth.
0: But that's not that normal. That heightened nervous system. Yes. in that state of alertness and vigilance. Yes. Is that
1: who you're supposed to be for your wife or your husband? Is that who you're supposed to be for your children? Mm. Right? No. They want mom and dad. They want husband yeah. and wife. They don't want high-stress warrior all the freaking time looking for the next adrenaline rush looking where they can insert themselves into the biggest part of danger or doing something so risky that they're risking their life for no reason, except an adrenaline hit or a feel of importance, like that's not who your family needs, you, you know? And when you, when you stop and really try to understand that and look at the holistic picture outside of yourself, but you got to look outside of yourself and see the big picture, man. Like that is That is what we should be striving to see and to be at the same time. It's not easy, but there are groups of veterans out there who do realize this and are doing great things in the community, both military and civilian communities. And they're becoming leaders and outspoken because they uh, they crack the code on how to get past things. And they're willing to put in the work instead of just saying, you know, fuck this. I'm broken. Let's have beers. Let's wear our grunt style t-shirts all the time and our, all of our stuff and go around and talk about how great we were tw- 15 years ago in the military, but I've done not, nothing since, you know, it's, 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 it's hard, man. Um, but it's ultimately what you signed up for. It wasn't going to be forever. You signed up to be exposed to the stress. And then you also signed up to also take that uniform off at one point. And become something else, something better, something different for society. Not a burden, not not a uh, a casualty in your own mind. Uh, there are other things to be come from this uh, that others can benefit your society, your family, all of it.
0: And it, and it does seem like there's treatment that is getting more and more effective. There's there's research in this area happening all the time, and there are networks out there that are generating results and. You know, just destigmatizing the, the reaching out for support and destigmatizing being the one who offers the hand. You know, that we've, we've talked about this before about the network. You can be the person supporting the uh, individual on the high wire. You can be the person, the balance, or you can be the safety net below. And we can, we don't, we all have a role in supporting individuals having a hard time and when you are the individual in being, less stigmatized to reach out for that support when you need it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not therapy. um, It's just a conversation. That's what I call it. Have have a conversation. It's not counseling. It's not therapy. Just have a conversation, man. It's good. People are willing to listen and understand.
0: Have a conversation. Right. I thought I'd just just drop a little quick history of some U.S. and Australian military uh, combined service for – you know, I mean, there's other people from other national nationalities that listen into this, but you and I are American and Australian, so I can talk to us. But um, World War One was the first time that we served together in combat, and the first time there was American and Australian soldiers under one command was on the 4th of July in 1918, and it was in the Somme Valley in France, in a little village called Hamel. And it's probably more well-known in Australia than in the US. It was... Um, I think about seven to 10 companies of Americans who'd recently arrived, and it was Australians, about five divisions of Australians plus Brits. And the guy in charge is very well-known in Australia, General Sir John Monash. There's like universities named after him. He's from, he's from Melbourne. He's a very uh, uh, highly regarded and uh, loved figure in Australia. And it was the first time they had really combined arms. It was the first time that they had combined Air Force, artillery, tanks, and infantry. And the estimate from the general before the battle was it was going to be a 90-minute or less battle with the Germans, and it was actually a 93-minute battle. And they, mm. this was one of the very first advances, so July 1918, and then August is when they really started to roll um, some really solid progress. But this was like the the leading edge, and so that was the 4th of July, easy to remember, Independence Day 1918, so it was the last year of World War I. And there was Australians and Americans together on the Western front in France. And then, so World War I, I'm just going to quickly list them. World War I, World War II, the whole Cold War, so 47 to 91. The Korean War, Vietnam War, Gulf War I, 1990 and 91. Somalia, 92 to 95, they were together. Uh, 2001 onwards, the War on Terror, Gulf War II, which is labeled as 03 to, to 11, Afghanistan, 01 onwards, and then Iraq, Syria, the counter ISIL stuff as well, twenty fourteen to about twenty eighteen. So there's been a pretty long history of mateship between the Australian and US military, with a lot of, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of been a lot of jokes and war stories <laughs> exchanged, and probably many a cold beer had uh, away from the front line between. Uh, Australian and, and American military personnel. It's been quite a no, history.
1: And, and how, how special is it to say that we were part of it? Y- you know, like Mellon, yeah. Mellon was in Iraq for ISR, for American troops on the ground running ISR for them and watching watching over their heads like an angel, you know. And then, you know, I'm in uh, Afghanistan working, um, you know, some instances here, here in and out with the Australian SAS um, doing, doing operations and going out and doing kinetic stuff. Um, and it's cool, man. Like that's been what a hundred year, 105 year history. Uh, and we're, we can proudly say that we're very part of that percentage that we've worked together and done stuff for one another, for our cultures, for our way of life, our society, uh, all, all of that, you know, and that's something to be, uh, cherished, you know, I'll never forget that. And now that I you know, you're you're like a brother to me, and in a lot of ways, uh, in service and, and outside of service. But uh, you know, it's something special, man, that'll last forever. You know, and um, you know, it's days like November 11th that make you really stop and appreciate it. I mean, I appreciate it every day, uh, mm. but for the for the world to stop and recognize and bless you, right. you know.
0: I, I, another point, just to finish on, is is. It can be a day where you're thinking about the sacrifice, but it can be easier to miss the progress that has come, that spread of democracy I was talking about earlier. That um, you can you can feel just because there's only bad news that gets reported, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. I always say in uh, in the news world, so it's got to be a bad bad news story, or else people won't read it. Yeah, but the progress that has been made on the back of this Western liberal democratic alliance is is Incredible to look at. And you can you can find it if you look up the UN sustainability goals. And the first round that they did, they all thought that they were absolute pie in the sky, crazy sort of angel shots, you know, dream shots they were never gonna get. But one stat is five times as many countries in our democracies as they were at the end of at the end of World War Two. So five times as many democracies. Global rates of extreme poverty, 75% reduction since 1990, 75% mm. of extreme poverty. Proportion of people living on less than $1.90 a day went from 36 million in 1990 to 8.6 million in 2018. And, and like childhood mortality, of so under five-year-olds, a decrease of 47% in 2000 to 2016. So we're talking about really huge progress huge progress that has been made on the back of sacrifices made by serving members uh, and veterans. And so people should really feel proud on these days in the thinking about these losses and the sacrifice that these people have made, that they weren't in vain. There has been just an incredible flourishing uh, and reduction in suffering around the world on the back of these efforts. And, yes, I know there's more to do. There's more we can do. Um, and we should never stop uh, working towards progress. But it's worth stopping sometimes and looking back down the mountain and seeing the view behind as well and not always mm. just looking at the slope in front of you because the challenges will always continue. But yes. it's easier to lose sight on the progress that's been made because it doesn't make a news headline. People are not saying, stop the press, there's been a reduction in uh, poverty or there's been an increase in democracy. But it's worth really taking the time on days like this to think, what were these sacrifices for? What has happened? Yes.
1: So, yeah. Melon, that's perfect. Um, I wrote a, a speech about uh, a teammate of mine that was killed. And uh, there was a lot of older and younger people in attendance. And I thought it was very important because there was some like JROTC and young military groups there and then there was a bunch of older veterans there was active duty veterans and then civilians in there too and i wanted to capture and i i reflected it off a few veterans that i know and i wanted to sum up um my point for this episode but also uh communicate to people how important this is the first thing we need to do is understand the history looking out through whether it's your, your particular country or Western society, whatever, understand the origins of service and why we do the things that we do in military service. Knowing that there was something in the world that called them to serve something bigger, whether it was World War 1 and 2 where you're against fascism and extermination of, of societies to Vietnam and communism to the Cold War and the spread of communism and all that to the global mm. war on ter- terror understanding what was asked in the history of your people mm-hmm. is is number 1 number 2 is your present and understanding your purpose in this whole thing and where you fit in and what your country is asking for of you i love john f kennedy's quote of ask mm-hmm. not what your country can do for you ask what you can do for your country that resounds in my mind all the time it's written in ar- in stone at arlington national cemetery among four hundred thousand graves that are all there and every mm-hmm. single one of those people ask that question um And then the next part, the final part, is think of the future. That torch needs to be passed on as it was to you. I remember my generation when I was a brand new guy coming in and all the older guys explained very well the importance of what we were doing and they were passing their their spark before their career ended down to us for us to take and protect and flourish with and go whatever the next challenge was it's up to this next generation to take care of it to preserve all of us and and to understand that there has been generations and ge- after generations of of uh soldiers that have gone before us that have sacrificed way more than we can even comprehend and you are being asked to be part of this in your mm-hmm. time in your life and you need to go do it and see it so understanding the past understanding your present and understanding that there is a potential future that is coming that is more important than ever. Uh, If you can acknowledge all three of those, I think you can truly understand what it means to be a veteran and, and serve something bigger than yourself. So I asked you to reflect on that, whether you ever served or not. It's something I think about all the time. Um, It's something I'm very proud of that I was able to contribute, uh, mm-hmm. as part of my life, that'll be forever, that no one will ever take away from me. And mm-hmm. that's how I view it, man. That I was, I, 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 was offered to be part of something that was so special, um, for a period of my life. And now I just want to, uh, give thanks to it. I want to honor it. I want to spread it among my circle mm-hmm. so that other people will understand. Um, and it's and it is a beautiful thing
0: so well said mike i really like that part about looking to the future and just thinking that progress that we're talking about is not automatic you know western liberal democratic values are not like a natural state for humans like this is a recent uh thread and the progress is hard hard one and we're going to need the next generation to understand these values, which is why we engage in stuff like an episode like this an education, a reminder, an opportunity to have conversations in families and over dinner tables and all that sort of uh, thing is so important because there can be a bit of a chest-beating black armband sense in the West at the moment, I think in the last you know, five years, 10 years. That there's the sense that we're all the bad guys all of a sudden. <clears throat> but this is the best system there's ever been. And it's in our societies that people are allowed to, you know, with the freedom of speech, to be able to have all the sorts of points of views, uh, including the critical ones. But having the clarity around the sacrifice that's necessary sometimes to push back against the chaos, to push back against these crazy murderous, um, beliefs that can give rise to stuff like fascism and communism and some of those other terrible isms. We're going to need people who feel the same way and understand what we're doing and that the progress is not inevitable. It's not just an automatic, we're going to fall forward into you know, more and more um, prosperity and, and easy times. Like We do need people who understand and are willing to put their hand up and take a turn uh, being the ones who protect and provide the security that we can have these uh, beautiful flourishing periods of family time behind the wall that I hope mm-hmm. is in your future as well. Mike. Yeah, me too. All man. right. All right. So we've probably reached the end of uh, another episode there. Great chat. Remembrance Day, we talked about the uh, background of it, where it came from, World War One, Armistice Day, got changed to being called Remembrance Day after World War II. Um, It incorporated a church service in the second year when they interred the bodies of the unknown soldiers who represented all the fallen. And each of our countries has a special place for these people. And it's an opportunity to stop and pause and take stock and think about the sacrifice and the loss. And, you know, we talked about how we've done this together. It's been a joint effort touched on some of the shared uh, combat experiences of Australian and U.S. military people, and we talked about in the end, there some of the progress that's been made through in inside the safe areas been provided by these um, military service personnel. So I just I think everyone should take time, two minutes on the eleventh, the eleventh at eleven a.m. That's the time local time to to stop and really pause and 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 think about these things. It, it, it bears thinking about. But for this episode, is there anything else you'd like to to leave people with, Mike, just before we wind up? Uh,
1: just just to all um, veterans and anybody who served, uh, I just want to say personally thank you, from myself, from my family. Um, I don't take it lightly. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I I get it, I I understand, and and I just. Really, anytime I come across somebody that's served, I, I really just want them to know that I, I, me and my family appreciate it. I don't care if I'm in, like, I see it every day. I see the sacrifices of people struggling, being away from their children at home whether growing up or their wife or missing things or crying on deployment because they can't be somewhere or, or do something. Like, I see it all the time, just like all fellow veterans have. And I just want to say thank you. Today's your day. And, um... You know, I won't ever forget. Um, And for anybody else that's listening, again, I I really want to expand on that future piece is we're all depending on you. Um, I was I was told that as a young as a young man, we're depending on you uh, so that, you know, they did their time and they can enjoy their peace. I'm doing my time and I want to enjoy my peace and I'm asking the next generation to stand up and I'm depending on you just like I was depended on. And, and it goes all the way back to the beginning. Um, Mm. we're, we're depending on you to be good people, to be good citizens, to be good service people, to be good military, uh, members. Um, we're all depending on each other for a better future. And, uh, yeah, I, I give thanks to the people who, who, who have raised their hand and done it.
0: Right. Beautiful place to end it. So from Mike and I, all of you guys out there, thank you very much. We really appreciate your service and your contribution. And until next week, take care.